God is good. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. This morning I'm going to be preaching a message out of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 7. I'll be reading out of the ESV. And the title of this message is, Don't Make Me Hurt You. You know, when, uh, I'm sure you've heard that before. And don't make me hurt you uh, usually means that if you continue on the course that you're on, my response will cause you some kind of pain. And, and, and that could be um, physical pain. Uh, that could be emotional. Uh, we so often um, hurt one another. Uh, and sometimes... Uh, we hurt each other by even the things that we say, and sometimes even the truth hurts. Uh, even, even in God's Word, at times the truth can hurt. And we're going to read an account of, of Stephen, Stephen the first martyr of the church. And, and the things that he said hurt those in a way that they said, we're going to try and hurt you back. But God is always up to something. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7, we're going to start reading at verse 51. And would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Again, I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 51, reads this way. You stiff-necked people uncircumcised in your heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Whom have you now betrayed, whom you now betrayed and murdered? You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him outside of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. With, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul 
was ravenous, was ravenous the church, and entered house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Father, we thank God for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the nourishment that comes from your word, Lord. We thank you how you reveal yourself through your word to us, Lord. We want to see you clearer and clearer each day. We come with an expectation to receive, Lord, that you would do a continual work in our lives, Lord. So we ask that you give us ears to hear and a heart to perceive truth and that we would walk out of here different than we walked in, that we would look more like Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this day and what it will bring. And we present ourselves to you in worship by the hearing of your word. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In chapter 6 of Acts, seven men were called to, to serve the church. Uh, there were uh, disputes about the distribution of, of food um, to the widows. And instead of engaging in that, the apostles said, it is not good for us to do that. We will uh, assign others to it. And, and in, chapter, in Acts chapter 6, in, in verse 5, it says that uh, the whole gathering were pleased with this saying, and, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then they chose six others, uh, and the apostles prayed and laid hands on these men. And it says that Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And as he was doing these signs and wonders, those in the synagogue uh, got upset about it. And, and they started to dispute with Stephen, but they could not withstand his wisdom and the spirit that he was speaking with. One of the things that we see here uh, in this text that we just read is, is um, sometimes the truth hurts. So, 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 so Stephen had preached this whole sermon to uh, those religious leaders that pulled him in to question him. They called in Stephen uh, because of this dispute that was taking place, and, and they told him to give an account um, for what he was saying. And the reason they did that and the reason they responded the way that they did was because sometimes the truth hurts. But the Word of God even tells us that. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharpened than any two-edged sword, piercing to divide uh, the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So we know that a cutting and a piercing in the Word of God, sometimes that truth hurts. It, it, it is there to be a disturbance at times. And we see that throughout the Word of God, and actually Stephen was laying out the history from the time of Abraham up to the present and was saying to those religious leaders, You've always resisted the Holy Spirit. 
as God sent prophet after prophet, you killed them in the same way that you killed Jesus. We see an example of this in 1 Kings uh, 22 with, with Ahab, and he wants to go and fight Syria along with Jeho Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat says, listen, you, let's acquire of the Lord. So they bring in some so-called prophets, and, and they say, yeah, everything's going to go well. And then they call in the prophet of the Lord. And, and he says, mm, the vision I see, you're going to die. And, and the sheep uh, will be uh, uh, scattered without a shepherd. And his response to that is, you never prophesy what I want to hear. You never prophesied anything good. Sometimes people want to hear sweet nothings and would rather hear a lie over and above the truth. And a, and a lie may be comforting for a moment, but sooner or later that lie is going to show itself to be a lie. Why does the truth hurt? Why is it that we often are not willing to hear and accept the truth? Well, we started out with the text saying, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Here, um, Stephen is saying to these religious leaders that, that you have persecuted the, 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 the prophets and, and so did your forefathers. We all have a habit of only wanting to hear what we want to hear to the degree that we will do anything not to hear it. So, so this accusation that he is bringing against the people is you will not accept God for who God says he is. And you will not accept what God is doing when he says, this is what I'm doing. And that's right from the garden. From the, garden. The, the serpent said to Eve, did God really say for question to come in? And this is true uh, oftentimes in the church and definitely in the world. No matter how many people God sends, no matter how much proof he shows. Because in Acts chapter 6, where, where when he came in, what this beef was about was, first off, they lied on him to bring him in, just like they did with Jesus. And they said, we, we heard um, this saying that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. The only other place in the Bible where any resemblance of someone's face shining or looking like an angel is Moses when he was in the presence of the Lord and had to wear a veil. So here, there is evidence that what Stephen is saying is true just because when they looked at him, they could see something was going on here. 
but they didn't want to hear it for two reasons. One, when they are speaking of destroying this temple, they worshipped the temple instead of the God of the temple. This, this was a magnificent temple, and they did not want to hear that. Not only that, it also says that they said that he wants to change the customs that Moses delivered to us. How often is change the reason why we resist something? We want to do it the way that we do it. People don't like change. And people don't like their idols being challenged. That's what was happening here. See, but what Stephen was declaring is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And you thought you could kill God. You murdered him and put him on a cross. Colossians tells us that he is the invisible, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. So, so what Stephen is declaring here is you're not the head of the church. Jesus is. How do you respond to things that you don't want to hear? How do you respond to things that you don't want to hear? Jesus would often say when he was speaking, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. He would also say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I tell you. In other words, listen up. Often, people would say, no, I want to hear from God but they don't want to hear from the vehicle of God. They're okay with some self-revelation that they believe that God is speaking to them, but they don't go to the Word. They're okay with their friend telling them something that coincides with what they want to do, but they don't want to listen to their parents. They're okay with receiving information that they want, but they don't want to listen to the pastor. What do we do when we hear things we don't want to hear? Because God uses people. See, Stephen was here challenging those religious leaders with, um, what is it that you're doing? What, what is it that you're saying? What is it that you're thinking? What do we do when we get that kind of information? What we should do is listen closer. I, I, 
Our first knee-jerk reaction when we hear something we don't want to hear, especially when it's personal and it's about us, is I'm not trying to hear that. I've learned to work through those emotional and feelings and quick responses, and I haven't perfected it. But what was said, let me analyze that. And we don't do it instantaneously sometimes. Sometimes we got to go and think about it. Sometimes my wife will tell me something and I'm just like, my first response may not be like, yeah, I'm, I received that. One, I've learned not to open my mouth too quick, right? Often my face gives it away, but that's better than your mouth and your face giving it away. But then, and, but then I, I, I try to reflect on what is being said, specifically things that um, I don't want to hear, and especially from people that I know that care. So, so Stephen is saying these things, and, and how did they respond? It says, now they heard these things and were enraged, and they ground their teeth. Have you ever been so mad that you're like gritting your teeth? I could. These are the religious leaders trying to show a level of control while they're stationed. It'd be like a Senate hearing, and they have someone, and they're beating up that person verbally, and then they just get to the point where they're so enraged that they go and drag that person out of Capitol Hill and throw them a beat. This is, this is what's happening here. They stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They cast them out of the city and they stoned him because they didn't want to hear what he had to say. Now, I don't know if you've ever been hit with a rock before. I remember a time when my middle son was cutting the grass. He had to cut the grass in a certain section and he's like, the lawnmower keeps cutting off and I went over there, and, and I said, all right, let me do it. I start up the lawnmower, and, and I go to cut the grass, and a rock just, like, hit the propeller and hit me in my shin. And when I pulled up my pant leg, it was to the white meat. It hurt so bad that the blood was shocked. It didn't even bleed immediately. You, you, ever, you ever hurt yourself, and when something is wide away, like, it ain't even bleeding yet. The blood is like, oh, I don't even want to go over there. <laughs> and when I got my composure, I said to my son, thank God that happened to me and not to you. He said, Dad, I was thinking the same thing. The religious leaders dragged this guy out of the temple, threw him on the ground, and threw rocks at him up until the point that he died. 
when we are doing the right thing. It does not always give us the desired results that we want. Doing the right thing sometimes comes at a great price. It says that the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And it says they were stoning Stephen and he, he fell asleep and, and there arose that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. This seemed to, to add fuel to the fire for Saul where he just went out and started to enter houses and drag men and women off and, and bring them into prison. But this situation seems like they, they can't get any worse. Sometimes doing the right thing does not give us our desired results. And sometimes doing the right thing comes at a great cost. But we also read that Stephen saw a vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He's seeing this. Why is he not stopping it? Sometimes we get to a place in our lives where it seems like all is lost. That, that, that we're, we're suffering and, and the hardships and, and the doubt and the trouble is just overwhelming circumstances. And we're thinking to ourselves, what good could possibly come out of this? But the last verse that we read, chapter 8 and verse 4 says, Now those that were scattered went about preaching the word. God used this martyr, and a martyr is actually not about how you die, but how you lived. God used this martyr to start the persecution of the church, to disperse the people, in, Judea, in, in Judea and Samaria to go out and preach the gospel. Jesus said that you'd go and preach to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So often he'll say something and we're like, yeah, I'm just going to like volunteer to go and do that. God used this situation to catapult the church to go out from Jerusalem to spread the good news. But it says, but the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. God is always working in every situation. Things that seem the worst to us, God is at work. And we have to trust and know that. Not only uh, was the Believers scattered and they went out and preached the word. Remember, 
This guy Saul was there. He, he was one of the leaders in the synagogue, and he approved of this stoning, and, and they laid their coats by him. Uh, he seemed to get inspired from the stoning of Stephen. But you know, if you read chapter 7, we went to the bottom of what Stephen said, but read it when you get home. And he laid out this whole case about God being at work from the time of Abraham to bring them to the place that the Messiah would come. This was probably the first time that Paul would hear the gospel from the lips of Stephen. So although Saul went and did these things, until that faithful day on the Damascus road, how did Paul's participation in the persecution of the church and in the stoning of Stephen affect him later? This is what Paul says later in his letter to Tim Timothy when he's encouraging this young preacher who's going to be proclaiming the gospel as Paul starts the exit. He says, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service through form though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed to me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. In some translations, it says the chief. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were, would believe in him for eternal life. This is the outcome of Stephen being martyred. When all seems lost, when there's suffering, when there's hardship, when there's doubt, when there's trouble, when there's overwhelming circumstances, when we come to the place where we say to ourselves, what good can come out of this? Remember, God knows the end from the beginning. And you don't. He says in Isaiah 46, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressor. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all of my purposes. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. He knows the end 
from the beginning. But we don't. And we don't have to. What we need to know is him. What we need to trust is him. He's perfect in all his ways. His wisdom is perfect. His strength is perfect. Everything God declares will be done. So when Stephen is going through this, when it seems it can't get any worse, the situation Stephen go, is going through is very similar to what Jesus went through. So for us, we are to please God versus people-pleasing. Stephen knew when he did what he did, what the outcome very well may be. He didn't bite his tongue. He didn't calm his speech. No, he laid it out and put it all on the line. He displayed the character of Jesus. He trusted him. He had faith in who Jesus is. He relied on the promises of God. Look at the character and the courage of Stephen as he imitates Christ. The text says, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Listen, when we injure each other and we care about each other, sometimes we're like, get them, God. He said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. I like that. It didn't say he died. The words in the Bible are precise for a reason. He fell asleep, almost like, okay, let's take a nap now. In the midst of people enraged against him and stoning him to death. It's saying he fell asleep is because that's what happens. When, when, when we leave here, life is not over. I, I even believe that, and it might be me just injecting what I think, but it's saying it fell asleep. It's almost as if it was peaceful for him. He definitely um, was uh, confident because of the vision that he was in, which was a gift from God. You know what this displays? The length of a person's life has nothing to do with the impact of a person's life. I know young children that have died, that have impacted my life, and some people that have been in my life forever. We, we have a hard time with this because we all say we want to die to the flesh, but we don't want the flesh to die. There was freedom when Stephen left his body. First off, he's promised a new body. 
Worship team, you can come up. God sees all things. And he's always up to something bigger than we think. He saw Stephen being stoned. And yet, him seeing it did not stop the stoning. In the midst of your situations where you think, God, do you see what I'm going through? Yes, he sees. But he didn't stop the stoning here because he was up to something bigger. Just like in each and every one of our circumstances. It says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand. It showed many things. One, that Jesus is who he said he is. That he's not an imposter. That he wasn't just some good teacher or a prophet. It showed that Jesus is alive. Then it says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. You know, sometimes when people clap, you know, fancy people, they'll, you know, Sometimes when, when people want to acknowledge that they appreciate whatever's going on, they might just like nod their head, right? Affirmation. Sometimes cool people, you know, that might be in like a spoken word or a poetry event, you know, then that's what the cool people do. But what it appears here is that Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God. And there is a reason why Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated because the work is complete. Because he said, it's finished, it's done, it's complete. But here he's standing, looking down at this situation of the first martyr, his son being stoned. I believe him standing is him giving him a standing ovation. Knowing what he was going to do through that event. So every time you read about Paul, whose name was Saul, you could think of Stephen. That the church was dispersed and went out and spread the gospel that you and I get to hear is because of that first martyr. Almost every one of the apostles died a martyr's death. When they were beaten, they celebrated that they were able to suffer like Christ. See, we're far away from that in our hearts and minds. God is up to something Bigger here, the, the fact that Jesus was standing, 
And Stephen was able to say, receive my spirit and forgive them, God. That prayer was heard. For at least one of them, it was heard for Paul. So as they dragged him out of the gates of Jerusalem to stone him outside of the city, his words reached the pearly gate. And look at Paul. And us being able to tell this story today. And celebrate the fact that you are more than conquerors. I don't care what you're going through. That we have a God who sees. And when he chooses not to intervene in the situation that we think he should intervene in, he's doing something bigger. We serve a God who makes a way. We serve a God who keeps his promises. We are a people that are filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. We are a people that have a Father who has cattle on a thousand hills. Every situation in our lives, we have to remember who our Father is and in turn who we are in Him. Myriads of angels at his disposal, at his beckoning call, doing whatever he sends them to do. And his plans for you are to prosper. Would you stand to your feet, family? One thing we know is that we can be certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The prayers that you pray, they don't fall on deaf ears. The inner turmoil that we face, the situations that we are engaged in, God is up to something bigger. Father, I pray that you would touch every person here and as they consider what happened in the life of Stephen, that they could look at that event and say it was good. So in turn, if they feel like they're under a pile of rocks and considering in their hearts and minds, God, where are you? Confirm to them that you're right there, that you're at work, that you never sleep nor slumber, that you know the end from the beginning. And because you know the end from the beginning and we don't, teach us to trust you.
As we sang, you are the Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You bring all things to pass the way you want it to come to pass. You're always up to something. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we will celebrate that this day. We pray for the one, Lord, that may not know you, that today they would know that Jesus is alive. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And that cross of shame has been turned to a cross of victory. And that they could have victory in you, that they would just repent of their sins. And recognize that you're going to meet them right where they are. That they would turn their gaze to you and keep their eyes on you the way Stephen did. That no matter what they're going through, that you would bring them out, Lord. That they would surrender, Lord. And that you would exchange their guilt and their sinfulness that you've taken on yourself and give them your righteousness, Lord. Would you touch a heart this day that way, Lord? For us that know you, Lord, that we would be reminded we're not alone, that you're on the throne, that you're at work, and you're doing good things perfect things for each and every one of us because that is your will for your people and with that we say thank you lord and amen amen god bless you family